If you'd like to turn in the scriptures with me to the book of 1 Corinthians in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians just after the book of Romans. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. When we're all there, we'll read the text together. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll start in verse 1. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll start in verse 1, read down to verse 15. <clears throat> and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? And then, who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building, according to the grace of God which is given unto me. As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Let's pray together. Let's ask God to bless us as we read his words, as it's expounded. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful that we can even approach your throne now. We are grateful that you've given us these words so that we can read them, so that we can know who you are, so that we can know the very work that you've done in the very depths of our souls. We can know what you've told to us and we can trust it and believe it, that you've given it, that you've preserved it. Please speak to us, Lord. I do pray that you bless your word as it's spoken, as it's heard. Please help us all to have soft hearts today. Help us to have open hearts and look to you. Please speak to us, we pray. May we not harden our hearts. May we not have hearts of stone, Lord. Please reach deep down and change us. Please speak to us. Please change us, edify us. Help us to see there's such blessing in knowing who you are. There's such blessing in being in the word of God. This truly is living water to our souls. So we do pray that you'd bless us now, be with us. Help me as I speak to your people. Please help me not to desire to be seen at all now. Help me to declare Jesus and Jesus only. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you'll look down with me, we start from verse 6 onwards, and Paul's giving a bit of context here. He's speaking to the church at Corinth, which was not known for godliness. It was not known for a place of holy living, as it were. It's actually quite a carnal, vile place, full of wickedness. And then these are believers that have come out of that place. And he addresses them as carnal, as having divisions and strifes amongst them. Actually, look at verse 5 with me. He says, who then is Paul? And this is him speaking. Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? By ministers. A minister is also a servant. By ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. So they're together. The one that plants, the one that waters, etc., etc. It's all one. It's all of the same work. They're one. He's not saying that it's individual peoples that do this and that. He's not saying that. It says every, uh, excuse me, back up, verse 7. Neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. You know what that means? You are a work of God. Christians, you're a work of God. That's what you are. And then what we do for the Lord, yes, we do it as we'd be rewarded of our own labor. But we do it together. That's why there should never be divisions amongst us. If I do anything off of my own name, my own back, I am carnal. I am doing it unto myself. I'm not laboring for the Lord in that regard. That's why I never would be someone who says, oh, I do this for this denomination or this church. No, no, no. As unto the Lord. That's what Paul says. And he continues on. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. So look what Paul says now. I have laid the foundation and another build if they're on. So Paul's addressing these Corinthians. He says this, I came, I laid the foundation for you. I laid the foundation and Paul didn't lay a foundation of the apostle Paul. He laid a foundation and he goes on to say, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now the foundation, as as you'd know, I used to do laboring and building work for years and years before I changed trade, as it were, uh, doing air conditioning work. And I used to have to labor. I was the young lad that got given the shovel in the rain. Extension, we can't get the digger and the dump around there. We have to dig it by hand and you're the one to do it. I hated it. I hated it. Some of you know exactly what I mean. I hated it. I used to dig and dig, come across pebbles and stones. I'd be there in the rain all day long. And and believe it, it felt like it never ended. But the foundation is the most crucial part of any building. And it's also the part that you do not see. The foundation is so crucial that all of it fitly neat together is laid upon that. If the foundation is not right, the building is not right. And the foundation for us today is Christ, is Christ. And Paul said that I laid that foundation. And then the people who he spoke to, they kept laying that foundation. And we have a continual line all the way back to Christ. The women that spoke to me, that led me to the Lord, someone did the same for them, the same for them, the same for them, the same foundation. That's why it's not a work of my doing and my name or your name. It's not of Paul or Apollos. Christ is the foundation. That's the start. Christ is the foundation. 
He continues on, verse 13. 12, sorry. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, on Christ, if any man build upon this, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. That means it will be revealed. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work, what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Turn with me just to the uh, book of 2 Corinthians, just to the right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'd just like to tie this together with a few scriptures. Paul's addressing these again. In fact, Paul actually wrote a letter to the church at Corinth and they wrote a letter back to him before 1 Corinthians was penned down. It's said that it could have been the first epistle written out of all of the New Testament. And then he addresses them again in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says this, For we know that if, in verse 1, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so, be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle, talking about our bodies, what we dwell in now, this tabernacle, we groan being burdened. Not for that we would not be unclothed, but clothed upon, that, it, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. So that is a good sign that we are believers. That's a good sign that we're believers, that we groan, we're in this sinful flesh and we desire a new home in heaven, a new glorified body like unto his body. That's a good sign that you're a believer. Examine that. Make sure you know. Make sure you have that foundation. And Paul continues on. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Verse 9, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So knowing that we shall appear before the judgment seat of Christ, not according to our sins, because he says, their sins will I remember no more. My sins shall never be brought up to me again. Never shall I see my sin again. The Lord has separated that as far as the east is from the west for me. And I shall never see them, never touch them, never meet them again, thank God. But this will be a judgment. If you'll see in verse 9, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Now, as we know, the scriptures say, Paul said this, we are already accepted in the beloved. We are already accepted in the family of God. This has nothing to do with salvation. This is talking about one thing. Verse 9, wherefore we labor, we labor. This is talking about what we do for the Lord. This is talking about our service to Christ. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 for me. I heard someone put it like this, and it helped me to understand it when I was a new believer, is that the Lord said, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. 
Talking about salvation. Come unto me for salvation, but come after me for service. Come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Lord says, come unto me, come to me for salvation, come to me for rest, but you go after him for service. This is, this is totally different. We are not talking about a judgment of our sins. We're talking about a judgment from a Lord to a servant now. And if you'll see in verse 12, it says, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work. Again, in verse 13, the fire shall try every man's work. Verse 14, every man's work abide which he hath built thereupon. He shall receive reward. Verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned. This is what it's talking about. It's talking about our service to Christ. What we do in this present world. The Lord has left us here for a reason. It's not an accident that we're here. It's not an accident that we're together. It's not an accident that he put a desire in our heart to see others saved and to glorify God. Not an accident. It's talking about our service. So what is our works? It's likened unto this. If any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. That means it will be revealed. It will be tried by fire. Now, fire is a picture of judgment, but it's also a picture of purifying. And if you see here, verse 13 at the end of it is, Try every man's work of what sort it is. My works, my service for the Lord and yours shall be tried one day. And the Lord shall try it by fire and it shall be examined and it shall be found what sort it is. Shall it be gold, silver, precious stones? Or will it be wood, hay and stubble that shall be burnt up? In verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, wood, hay and stubble, of course, if you put it in the fire, if you were to put it in a furnace, it'd be burned up. Now, we could have an abundance of wood, an abundance of what men and women might think that is good works, what we might compare to good service for God. But we also know that God doesn't look upon the outward appearance. He looks upon the heart. What sort it is. What was our motive what was our intention in service? Was it to be seen of men? If I come up here today and all I want to do is take glory for myself and be seen, oh, was that a good sermon? Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'd like credit for that. Then what sort was that? That was selfish motivation from me. Think not that I'll receive anything of the Lord for that. I have my reward. Just like the Pharisees had their reward and it wasn't a good one at that because they did things to be seen of men. Now, wood, hay and stubble are uh, things that are found open openly found you see the trees hay is just grass that has been grown and cut and stubble is that which has been left behind after a harvest now i always go for walks i always find hay around by the farmer's field and stubble left behind after the farmers have been there now that is easy to burn up now we could pile up an abundance of wood on this field we could have scores and scores tons of wood here it might not cost that much but i know that gold is far more valuable than wood hay and stubble the wood, hay and stubble are the things that are just seen openly. They're, they're not that hard to come across. We come across things like this in the world. Just good intentions, good works, nice things, I guess. But we claim and make out it's something very spiritual and special, don't we? But we might be able to fool man. I might be able to fool you, but no one can fool God. No one can fool God. Our works shall be tried one day. And that, that ought to cause us to have fear of God now. That ought to cause us to think, who am I trying to fool? Who, who am I trying to kid? Who, 
Who am I trying to please with the image that I portray? We ought to live unto the Lord, not to please men. We have too many men pleasers. And God forbid, I, I feel so guilty of that in my life. I feel so desirous to be accepted of men all the time rather than be accepted of God. Because ultimately, that's all that counts. I shall leave this world and be with him for eternity. And I do not want to have regrets in order to please men and sacrifice that which would have been eternally valuable. So I'd like to just look at a few scriptures with you. Wood, hay, stubble, just things that you find openly, easy to come across, but ultimately not durable. Doesn't last to everlasting works. Doesn't do that. John said this, the will of the Lord abideth forever. The will of the Lord abideth forever. What we do for God abides forever and our works must be tried. They must be tried. You know why? Because nothing that I do of my own self shall abide in heaven for eternity. What I do for Christ and Christ only shall last. It must be tried. There is, there is going to be no selfish intentions or wickedness found in heaven. Our sins have been dealt with, but also the folly, all the works that I try to promote on this earth shall not be found there. That's why they must be tried. Now, he says this, there are things likened unto gold, silver, precious stones. I'd like to look at a few scriptures. Now, gold is always likened unto royalty, always likened unto kings. Always likened unto kings, royalty. Now, gold, I found this in the scriptures. Gold is also likened to the suffering of a believer. It's likened unto the trying of our faith. Go to Job 23 for me, please. Job chapter 23. Job chapter 23 and verse 10. You'll see what Job says here. Job 23 and verse 10. Job was a man known for going through sufferings. Job was a man known for not cursing God, for not speaking foolishly to God. Job 23, verse 10 says this. is a famous scripture. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. We sing songs about that. After the Lord has tried me, Job said. After I've been through what I've been through. And believe me, many of us have gone through many sufferings, many tears, many heartbreaks and heartaches. The Lord knows what you've gone through. But he's tried you and you've come forth as gold. You've come forth better. It's improved. You've come forth purer. And if you'll go to the book of 1 Peter for me, please. 1 Peter quickly, back in the New Testament. Book of 1 Peter. So it's likened unto the suffering of a believer, gold, and God uses it to purify us and bring himself glory. 1 Peter says this in verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious, much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to have gold and slabs and Fort Knox in my house at the appearing of Christ. I want to be able to have a faith that was unshakable, a faith that was tried, even though it was hard for me, even though it might have been difficult for us. And I know it's difficult to live the Christian life. I know more than most. I know how difficult it is because I fail so much. But he says this, the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold, much more precious than of gold. All of the gold that you could gather in the world, all of the kings and queens 
of past. They gather that together one day and it'll be nothing to what I would have stored up in heaven. Nothing. They would have been found completely wanting to what we can store in heaven. That ought to encourage us as believers that we can do things of eternal value, eternal worth that no corruption shall be found there. No moth shall be able to eat it up. No rust, no corruption. You believe that? And I've invested in so many things, labored, sacrificed time in this. A gentleman today that I was working with, he was talking about investments. If you go back to 1 Corinthians 3 for me, he was talking about investments. He was talking about, this is the way of the future, how the global companies, they're coming together and they're going to be so rich that this time last year to now, he's made two point trillion in profit. Elon Musk, he is on his way to something very special. You know, I saw an interview with him this week and he doesn't know the meaning of life. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how long he's going to live. He doesn't know where he's going. He could, he could be the richest man in the world. No offense to him personally, but he will be found wanting if it's not of eternal value. And like I said, the foundation is Christ and only Christ and what we build upon ought to have eternal value Ought to have eternal value. Be encouraged, believer. The trying of your faith, the hardships that you go through, it shall be found at his appearing. He will not let us forget he's working in our lives. We might think this temporary suffering is hard now, of course, but it's nothing compared to the eternal weight and glory in heaven. Nothing even to be compared. Be encouraged. Now, silver is likened unto gold, silver, precious stones, silver. If you go to book of Proverbs for me, book of Proverbs, and I'll turn to Psalms. If you go to Proverbs with me, please. Book of Proverbs, I'll turn to Psalm 12. And in Psalm 12, it's likened unto this. Psalm 12, I'll turn there quickly. You go to Proverbs chapter 10 for me. I'll go to Psalm 12. I always think of this scripture. Now, silver is likened unto that which is pure and perfect words. Pure words, perfect words. The scriptures say this. I I memorize this verse. Be familiar with this verse. Psalm 12 verse 6, it says this. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. You know what that means? The words of the Lord, they're not just pure words. They're perfect and they've been purified seven times. That means purified to perfection. You cannot get better words than this. The words of the Lord, that's what it's like. Silver that's purified. And it says in verse seven, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation even forever. Now the words of the Lord abide forever, forever. If you go to Psalm, uh, Proverbs chapter 10, sorry, Proverbs 10, in verse 20, look down with me. It says this, the tongue of the just is as choice silver. The heart of the wicked is little worth. Now we know out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the heart of the wicked surely isn't going to say anything of any value. In fact, it does more harm than good. But it says this, verse 20, the tongue of the just is as choice silver. Now, choice silver means when it's refined, when it's pure, when it's that which is good and righteous. How is your tongue? The words you speak, the things that you talk about. Would God look at you and think your tongue and your lips is as choice silver? The things I hear you speak about, the things I hear you say, how you encourage the brethren, how you speak words of life. Is it choice silver? Or is it just wood, hay and stubble? That which is just of no worth, especially not eternal value. It's just that which is going to be burnt up. Now, I was known for being quite 
a mouthy lad, as it were. I was known for being very lippy, being gobby. I think I might have been smaller than the rest of the people. I might have had that syndrome, as it were. So I'll, I'll blame that. But nevertheless, I've spoken so many empty things in my life, so many foolish things. But now that God has actually changed it, he's put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. I can speak words of life and edification and encouragement. Words of life. God can look at my speech and see it as choice silver. Not just the things I go through, the works I do, but my words can have eternal value. Eternal value. Can you believe that? Your words can have eternal value. And like unto precious stones as well, if you'll go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 for me. Gold, the trine of your faith, silver, pure words, purified words, as you'd find with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we also find precious stones. As I said, wood, hay and stubble, you can find that. You can walk through the whole of the countryside of Britain and find these things. Precious stones are hard to find. Now, where do you have to go for precious stones? Where do you have to go for gold and silver? Of course, you have to dig. You have to search for them. You have to look very diligently and find them. And once you found them, you take them out and keep them and you purify them. Now, that which is spiritual, that which only comes from the righteousness of God is hidden and it must be searched out, must be searched out. It's not easily found and it's not easy to live the Christian life. That's why we know we need God's help. And precious stones, the best example I can think of this would be in the Old Testament, there was a high priest appointed of God and he would go into the holy place once a year. He would make intercession for the people for their sins. And then upon his, upon his breast, closest point to the heart, he would wear precious stones that represented the tribes of Israel. Twelve precious stones close to the heart. Now, he had a ministry of reconciliation. He had a ministry of interceding for the people. Now, I truly believe that we know, as we say all the time very clearly, there shall be people in heaven that we knew not would end up there. I believe that. And there will likely be people that don't end up there, that didn't come to the Lord, that made out they did. But also this, we might think this man or this woman, they surely, they had the most treasure laid up in heaven. Surely they did all these things. I heard his name, he done this, he done that. She was here at this time, this place. But believe me, I do not think there is a greater ministry than the ministry of prayer. And I've been provoked about that recently. Even when the men, they came here, and you men would know this, and you ladies as well. When you pray together, when you seek God, you covenant with other people to seek the face of your father. You see that glow in their faces, and you know exactly what I mean if you've been there. You see Christ in those people when you pray together. And I, I don't just mean you have a quick word. You know, you just say your peace because you know you should as a believer. I mean, when you get down on your knees and you pray. I've been reading an autobiography of Gladys Aylward. She was known as the little woman. She was a missionary to inland China in the early 1900s. She actually ended up there just before World War II started, the Japanese invasion. And she didn't even know that Europe was at war at the time. She didn't find out World War II had actually started until 1941. But she laboured there and then she arrived there at a Scottish lady's house in the middle of China to help and labour with her. And then she said, I didn't even know how to pray before I saw this woman praying and pleading and crying, weeping 
hour after hour for the people of China. Leonard Ravenhill said this as well. Don't show me all of these preachers that can do this and do that. Anyone can stand in a pulpit and scream and shout and rant and say this and that, or even say the right things. But Leonard Ravenhill said this. He, he met up with A.W. Tozer. You might have heard of that name. He said he never really remembered him preaching, and he was a very good preacher. But he remembered praying with that man. He remembered praying with that man. And when I've prayed with certain people, sometimes I haven't remembered the greatest sermon told, but I remember praying with a godly saint, with an old lady that had a had such a burden for lost souls, had such a burden for young people, that, that they'd be kept from the wickedness of this world, that they'd have a shining light in this dark world. I do believe we'll see many, many people with such great reward, and rightly so, just for being on their knees in prayer, just for being in the presence of God interceding for people. How is your intercession? If I gave you that breastplate, if you were to carry those precious stones, how would your ministry of reconciliation be? Do you even intercede? You get other people who intercede for you to pray for your loved ones. Do you do it? Do I do it? It ought not to be neglected. And I believe it's the most neglected. The most. If you turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Now you might think, okay, all right, gold, silver, precious stones, okay, that seems like a lot of dedication. That seems like you have to be quite devout. And by the way, I, I've, I've been called a devout Christian before and I wouldn't ever claim that name myself. But I don't think there should be another kind of Christian. There is no other kind. We should be the most devout that anyone ever sees. Romans chapter 8. We'll look at scripture here. But you might think, well, you know, wood, hay, stubble. I mean, I have a lot of wood. I, I'm, I'm looking as if I'm laboring thinking like that, you know, I'm lumping wood and hay and stubble here and there. Now, I looked up the prices of gold. I never look at this because uh, I'll probably never end up with any gold. But I looked it up. One kilo, one kilo of gold. What I'd just be able to hold in the palm of my hand. One kilo of gold in price, in pounds, is worth nearly 45,000 pounds. I could just hold that in my hand. 45,000 pounds. The people of this world, they'd say that's pretty valuable. More valuable than that is gold that we can lay up in heaven. As we say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Seek his kingdom first. Now, I like that scripture that Christ said. He says, even if you give, even if you give a cup of water to a little child in my name, you shall not lose your reward. You shall not let. And it doesn't say I give you this in the name of Jesus. He didn't say that you tell him that you've done it in the name. It means you've done it for Christ's sake. Even if I do something so small, Christ acknowledged it. And it's not a small thing to Christ. Anything done for him, it causes him to smile and look, look down and think, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Now, you might think, oh, it's just a waste of time trying to do this. It's too hard. I just think I'd rather be like that person that says, okay, I'll just get along to go along. And yeah, I might just have wood, hay and stubble, but I tried. I tried. No, 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 no. That's lazy or it's fearful. And it's likened unto this, the wicked servant who hid his talent in the ground. Now, the man said, I gave you this. You, you could have at least done something. Maybe you didn't use it. You could have at least done something and watch it grow or watch it be used some other way. And he's compared to a wicked servant. If I do something and withdraw out of fear, I'm a wicked servant. I'm lazy and wicked if I don't do right. Now, it's not necessarily what sort it might be, but I just think, what about what I could have done? 
What about I was too lazy? What about I didn't acknowledge things that I should have done? What about what I could have done? When I knew to do right and I did it not. Christians, we ought to be more diligent, more diligent than we have been. Let a Romans chapter 8 for me, please. <clears throat> the Bible says this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 6. In verse 5, I'll give you. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. You know what that means? To think the way that this world thinks. To think like a fleshly man. To think like a carnal man. And we have this war, don't we? We have this war, this draw just to fit in and just to, you know, get along, be comfortable. But we also have that mind of Christ, that new spirit, that new mind that ought to be renewed. To be carnally minded is death. You know what that means? It's worthless. It's fruitless. And that's something God seeks for us, that we might bring forth fruit. And that we might bring forth much fruit. If we're able to, why do we not do it? We're able to bring forth much fruit to glorify God. We ought to do it. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded. Not to be spiritual or to have spirituality. No, no, no. To be spiritually minded. To have the mind of Christ is life and peace. Life and peace. You know what that means? Life. Abundance of it. Spiritual life that we'll see. The working of God through us. And we'll see it. We'll see it. Life and peace. Now you know, because I know the Spirit bears witness with you if you're a believer. When we don't do anything for the Lord. When we sit back. When we don't do anything. You know that grieving feeling you get. You know that empty feeling you get. Because I get it as well. Why, why would we not give that up? Why would we be carnally minded and have that and we feel grieved and we sit back? You know if you've been there and you've been backslidden or you've just been neutral, you know that feeling. And it's an awful feeling as a believer. And thank God for that conviction. Thank God he doesn't let you sleep and slumber. Now, we are not to be those that sleep and slumber. I used to work with a gentleman. And I don't think it's a good thing. I used to work with a gentleman. He would wake up at 4.30 every morning. 4.30 every morning. I used to work with this man. I liked working with him. He's a hard worker. Now, all of you might have a perspective about this man already. Wake up at 4.30 every morning. He'd be out of his door at 5. And he'd go outside the job and sleep for an hour every day. Without fail, every day. He had his own pillow. He had a blanket in the front of the van with him. Every day without fail. You know what happened to him? He got caught. He, you know why he did that? He thought, well, why would I sleep at home when I can get paid to sleep in the van? And I, I'm there, I, I look like I'm doing good, I look like I'm working, but he was lazy. He had a good appearance, but he was lazy, and he got caught, and he got found out, and he got sacked. He got sacked for it. He never thought, he, he never thought he'd get away, he never thought he'd get caught, he thought he'd get away with it, and he got sacked. We ought never sleep on the job, Christians. Never sleep on the job. We are ambassadors for Christ. 24 hours a day. We are ambassadors, laborers. He said, go and work today in my vineyard. Go and work, not sleep outside the gate while the fruit just rots and drops to the ground. Don't be one that sleeps and slumbers. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now we can have that. We can know that we are laying up treasure in heaven. Now we ought to teach this. We ought to realize that if you'll go back to... Uh, 
2 Corinthians chapter 5 for me. In verse 9, we are confident, I say, and willing, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And I'm sure we'd all say amen to that. I, I'm, I'm willing to be absent and be present with the Lord. But he also said to the Philippians, it's, it's more needful that I stay here and be with you. It's more needful that I be present with you now. In verse 9, he says this, wherefore we labor. You know what that means? Because of this, because we want to go and because we want to depart, we are confident. We know that we are going to be in his presence when we leave this present world. Wherefore we labor. The reason why we labor is because we know that life is short. We're going to leave and we're going to be with Christ. That's why we labor. Whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. I want to be accepted of him. I want my service for him, not for anyone else. My service for him to be acceptable in his sight. And may it be so with all of us. We have a small army here. If, As my mum used to say, if you had a brain, you'd be dangerous. If we actually had a spiritual mind, we'd be dangerous. If we'd done something for the Lord, we'd see the world turned upside down. Why would we not do it? Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Let's be accepted of him today. Not that we'd be accepted, our works have us accepted. We've already been accepted. We're already in his family. While we are here, let us lay up treasure in heaven. Why would we chase things? Why, why would we just want to chase things that have no worth, no value? They don't bring you happiness because the next day it's old, it's worthless. All of your Christmas gifts, they're already old, aren't they? You don't care about them anymore. How about treasure in heaven? Now, I know that we don't do this for reward. We do it to obey the Lord because he's worthy. Now, whenever me and other Christians speak about heaven, we never talk about reward and think you'll definitely get rewarded for that. I never hear us speak like that because it's not a desire of ours. Yes, he'll reward us, but we want to do it because we love him, because we want to bring him glory. We want people to know Christ, to truly know him. And they can. Christians, I think it's high time that we arose, that we're awake. I know that many of us have slept for too long. I have. Life is very short. Very short. I don't know how long God will give me on this earth. David Brainerd, he was only a young man. I'm actually older than him. I'm 29 years old. David Brainerd was 28 years old when he prayed in the snow for those Indians in the United States. He'd even pray, he was on his knees night after night and he'd cough up blood. He had tuberculosis and all sorts of other troubles and he'd cough up blood. Even pieces of his lungs would come out because he was praying and pleading with God to save these people. And then you'd see droplets of blood through the snow, like little rose petals through the snow because he cared about their souls. You know what? He'll have his reward. He was faithful unto death and he shall receive a crown of life. Now I look at that and I think... I'm. I'm 29 years old. What, what am I doing? Hour after hour, just getting caught up in folly and foolishness, being entertained by the things of the world. Instead of being on my knees in prayer, instead of actually going out, I'm supposed to be a soldier. Why aren't I acting like it? Why aren't I performing? Why aren't I doing it? I've wasted too much time. And we're told to redeem the time for the days of evil. Let's be wise, Christians. Let's redeem the time. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that we can be accepted of you in the beloved. We thank you that it's not of any works of righteousness which we have done, 
but by thy mercy you've saved us. And we, we're so glad that you said it's to him that worketh not, but believeth on him. Our faith is counted for righteousness. So I do pray if there be anyone in here, Lord, anyone in here that has not realized that, anyone that's trying to build upon a faulty foundation, anyone who's trying to rely on their own good works, help them to realize for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Father, help them to know that gift. Help them to know it tonight. And Father, help us to go out. Help us to be provoked unto love and good works, we pray. Help us to have an eternal perspective. Stamp eternity on our eyes, as Jonathan Edwards said. Please be with us. Please help us to labor that it might be pleasing to you, that it might be acceptable in your sight, Lord. We pray that we'd bring you more glory. We pray even even twofold, fourfold, that anything that we've ever done before, help us to labor and help us to see the fruit in this world for it, Lord. We give you glory, we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name.